Hello and welcome to Sports Jerks, home of the hot takes and land of the, well, the drapes were drawn, but the rest of the room was real. My name's Dan, <laughs> I'm back again, and I'm here with my cousin Joshy. Josh, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. That was a very, very unique introduction. I mean, I it's a bit of a thinker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, my dad's going to like that one. That's one of like my earliest memories. I don't even know what it is. Shout out to my dad for just... Telling me that random shit, man. I love it. I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he has a few of those bad boys. I had to share it. Had to share it. Anyway, let's jump right in here, and we are going down to the ding, 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 corrections department with Izzy. Hello, sports jerks world. Let's just skip the semantics. Josh absolutely blew his UFC predictions again, and he owes you all an apology. See you next week, jerky crew. Wow, the absolute call out by Izzy. I, I, I have to say that felt uh, that felt a little bit uncalled for. You know, when I'm when I'm paying your salary, I feel like you gotta kinda you gotta kinda let it go. But she is right. I blew another massive call and you know what, we'll get into UFC later, so I'm not gonna let you roast me right now, but there will be a time. Okay, I I am super excited for this episode. We have the very first guest on the Sports Jerks podcast. With us today is my man, Teddy Tong. You know him as Tettles. Teddy, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us today. What's good, Josh and Dan? Uh, it's not a video one, but hopefully we could do a video one in person. But I'm smiling, brother. I'm smiling. I'm happy to be here. What's up? Yo, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Honestly, it's nice to have like a real like... NBA focused insider with us to tell us why we're shit and somebody that I can somebody that I can yell at about Fred Van Fleet. So let's just get right into it, okay? The All-Star the All-Star selections were made. The fans voted in. I'll go through it real quick. On the East, Kyrie, Beal, Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. On the West, Curry, Doncic, LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. Teddy, you agree with these? Um, I want to have the list actually in front of my face. So I can actually really take it in. But you did mention, as long as my boy Beal is on there on the east side, I think he really deserved his first, first all-star appearance, correct? It was his first one or second one? I think it was his first. He's had a ton of snubs, so it's hard to tell. I think he was a reserve one year, so maybe his second, but maybe first time starting. I'd have to, uh, I'd have to get the corrections department to check that out for me next week. Yeah, but for me, I mean, I think uh, everyone deserved to be there. Kevin Durant, what a comeback. This guy came back from an injury that yep. ended up starting again. That's how you know the dude is lethal, can score from everywhere. Uh, I w yeah, like, it must be fun playing basketball, being Durant. To be honest, like, imagine playing in the small nets and stuff, the way we shoot around and the way we're mobile. <laughs> That's Kevin Durant in real life. Um, in terms of Bradley Beal, I'm really excited that he made it. I think he deserved it. At one point, I did want him on the Raptors, but I think, I mean, whatever. Whatever will happen will happen there. Uh, Kyrie is one of the most decorated players I've ever seen in my life. He makes basketball look cool. Um, I've yep. said this before, and I've said this to a girl. She didn't understand, but then I'm like, damn. So I kind of drifted conversation. But I said, Kyrie Irving is like, the way he plays basketball, like, doesn't it look so cool? And she was like, it what? Does. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Giannis is super dominant, uh, does his thing, and mm. the Sixers are doing super well. So I have no, 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 um, I have I have no, like, I get, nothing against that. And on the West side, um I feel like Lillard could have started. Lillard, Lillard could have started. started. He could have started, yeah. Yep, yep. Right? You guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was pulling for Lillard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know Dan a couple in uh, last week's episode. He he was talking Lillard. I, I definitely mm-hmm. I went Doncic. I mean, if, if anything, I would have liked to have seen Lillard and Doncic. I don't think like Doncic could have got overlooked. The guy's almost averaging a triple double at this point. Like, how am I gonna not put that guy in? But when it's fan voting, there are so many kids online that are just blinded to Steph Curry. It's like Steph Curry is the best basketball player that's ever basketballed right. in this history of basketball, <laughs> and yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter how he plays. So if yeah. any anything I could see that for me on the East I just I, I think Harden deserved that nod over Kyrie even though Harden mm. kind of played like shit with the Rockets I think Kyrie has just been more focused on other things but yeah. you know I don't I don't think any atrocities happened here no for me I love yeah. Lillard and in a year where we were all told to stay home who better to have starting then Damian Lillard, who has stayed home in Portland for all these years, stuck with <laughs> one team. I'm going to go point. ahead and use that theme. I'm going to push that narrative. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. So we, so we had one update. So Anthony Davis is uh, sitting out of the reserves. He's been uh-huh. replaced by Mr. He Devin booked. Booker. I Wet think that like was... <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think he, he definitely deserved it. So if we look at the reserves in general, on the West, now we got Booker, George, Gobert, Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion. You like wow. that, Teddy? Any snubs? Any Western Conference snubs? Let's start in the West. Anybody you think should have been there that isn't there? Yo, uh, West, right? I have some yeah. for the East. Okay, um, D-Bow- so you like D- it then. Yeah, I like it. Um, every single player on that Western thing, man. I need. Can I just pull up this list quickly? Yes, sir. Um, of course. Yeah. So it's it's, yes, it's the LeBron LeBron reserves. You're saying, right? This is for uh yeah the LeBron side. So I think honestly for me, you know what I love about seeing the reserves is that they get voted in by the coaches. So for me, there's almost like an extra level of. Like, you earned it because this is basketball people voting in the best of basketball, which I have more respect for in the sense of, like I said, the starters, you know, when you're, I get it, we're voting in by the fans. I'm a fan. I love to vote, right? I think it's exciting. But you do have that bias of, like, Curry is the best, so he could never play and I'm going to vote for him, where, you know, the reserves, like, I don't think any fans would vote for fucking Rudy Gobert, really. Like, he wouldn't be here if it was just only a fan vote, but fuck yeah, he deserves to be Yeah, yeah, they're doing really well. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, um, let's jump we could jump to the east if uh if you think the west is a lock, we can jump to yeah, the east. Yeah, I, I think the west is is pretty good. It just it's um I'm I'm always amazed at how Paul George, that dude always gets in, man. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm I'm a fan of him. Obviously, I know what he can do and I know he's lethal, but I just kind of was so surprised how he made it so smoothly again. Um Zion, yes, Zion. What a guy, eh? This guy's yeah. like Yo, this guy yeah. is so he's so incredible and I like I've I've seen this thing on Steven Adams mentioning how strong he was and how fast he gets up off his feet and what an exciting player. Seriously, he's going to be an all-star. I feel like this is like I feel like from now he's just always going to be an all-star. Um and I want to shout out Chris Paul real quick that continues yeah. to get older in the yeah. league but his game doesn't. He uh he adjusts uh, his isos are just disgusting. His, he just makes every team better. If you think about it, he goes to every team and they get better, you know? Yeah, he's hot. Um, he's hot. Yeah. So yeah, um I don't know. I think everyone there deserves to be there for sure. Okay. All right. So let's go to the east. So 
we got Jalen Brown, Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, which I love. I love to see Julius Randle. I mean, again, somebody that probably would have got overlooked if this was a fan vote. Ben Simmons, Tatum, and my boy Nikola Vucevic, who is quite honestly probably the most undervalued player in the NBA right now. You said that you might have seen a couple snubs here. Who yeah. do you think has been missing? So why? How did? Okay. What? Vucevic. Um, damn. Like, what do you guys feel about that? <laughs> you think he deserved to be there? I definitely do. He's been snapping, man. He's like going like 26 and 10 with like four or five dimes. I mean, Orlando's kind of trash. Dan and I have talked about this before, though. It's like yeah. the argument always is if your team is shit, then of course you're going to put up more numbers. But my mm-hmm. argument is it's the fucking exact opposite. If you're the only half-decent hooper on your team, all the double teams are coming to you. Who are you mm-hmm. passing the ball to, to to get open then? Who who are you getting assists with when your team is ass? Yeah, I have more respect for a player in that way. I have more respect for a player. Yeah, like I said, too, um, being surrounded by the Orlando Magic, if you were putting up numbers like that, especially, you know, his ninth with the Magic, his ninth season with the Magic, right? So it's a guy who's been around, battled forever, and then putting up those numbers, you know, after so long on such a trash team, right? There's so many... uh, I don't know. I don't know. I like it. And I like it just... I like seeing him there because especially guys who've spent a lot of time in a place like that with, you know minimal to no contention I, I like those stories you can tell by my damian lillard point that i i, I i'm sentimental like that yeah, yeah you're definitely a loyalty guy you're definitely a loyalty guy yeah, i like yeah. It. yeah oh yeah big time okay big teddy fan. so yeah. fred van vliet gets left off the board yeah you yeah, like yeah. that you like Come that or on, do you son. think he squeaked in okay look i uh okay i think trey young deserved to be on the all-star team this year which was yep um, that was yeah. yeah that was mad. <laughs> I, when I didn't see Trey Young there, I'm like, wow, that that's incredible. He yeah. he's yeah. so disgusting. Like he's the type oh, yeah. of guy like it's kind of it's kind of scary to guard. Like what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You're supposed to heckle him like right when he gets it inbounded because he'll still kind of yeah. cross you and then you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. But I thought I thought Trey Young should have deserved the spot in terms of Fred Van Fleet. I'm very realistic. I'm a diehard Raptors fan. I feel like he put himself in the spotlight, but maybe compared to everybody else, maybe didn't deserve that last role. Maybe. Um, right. But Fred Van Fleet has been playing all-star caliber basketball, which is incredible. You know, from his shot with his band-aid screaming on the on, on the NBA Finals, you thought that that was essentially his ceiling. But right. no, he's proven that yo, know, he's he's the guy to make shots. He's the, he's proven that he's the cold bud killer on our team. To be honest, um, you know, every team in the NBA always has a guy that's like, oh man, he's gonna he's gonna kill us. And Fred Van Fleet is that guy for us. So I think he's on his way if he can he continues this up. Um, and next year he definitely should be in the runnings. But that 54-point game put the league on notice. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'm just glad to hear it from the horse's mouth that uh, you think he uh, wasn't an all-star, but I get the sentiment for sure. <laughs> no, don't do that. Red Fat Fleet's my boy. Yo. Don't do that. Yo, Fred's my boy. Fred's my boy. Uh, no, I, I get it. I get yeah, it. no, I no. Get he, it. no, I just, I just know that, okay, if Trey Young is there, then it's like who else is going to thing. But uh, I, I felt like, uh, either Trey or Fred deserved it over Nicola. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Dan, it looked like you were going to chime in there. What do you got for me? Well, that's what I was going to ask, actually. Uh, I was going to say, well, then who would you replace then? Who would you replace uh, that is on the reserves now with Fred Van Vliet? But uh, Teddy answered that. And okay, I could see that. 
I think honestly for me, I think it's Ben Simmons who needs to get who needs to get slapped back to the fucking couch for All Star Weekend. Yeah, because... that's a weird one. That's another guy that's just gonna coast coastly like just make it. And I know Sixers have been doing well, so then there's an argument there. But right, exactly. Ah like, oh, man, this guy doesn't even need a shoot. Man, imagine being yeah. up that type of baller. Like you don't even need a shoot, and you're still an yeah. All Star. That's pretty scary. He should take that as a compliment and some motivation to up his game. For sure, yeah, I definitely me... don't. Yeah. Sorry, Correct. sorry, Josh, to cut you off there. But let me ask you this then. If those are decided by coaches coaches voting, so then is Ben Simmons more highly valued by coaches and peers than Fred Van Vliet? And if so, why? I, I'm you know, I'm genuinely asking yeah. that question to both of you. No. Go, Josh. Um, I mean, I I would say so. I think that Ben Simmons, he's longer. He's just better on both sides of the ball. I think even though he can't shoot, I I also think he just has a higher ceiling. That being said, I think the coaches are generally, you know, I think that they can separate like value and then how you've actually been doing this season. I think Ben Simmons has had a better year than Fred Van Vliet, although I, you know, admittedly, Fred has had a half decent year. Like like Teddy said, there has been so many guys that have unreal years. Like Trey Young mm-hmm. not being on this, you know, Fred Van Vliet's not even close to that class yeah. of ball. Yeah, like Trey Young. So. Trey Young actually, yeah, he he was hooping. So I was like, holy yeah. shit. So yeah. then if that's the case, then like, man, Fred deserves some shine too. But it's yeah. a weird one, huh? Yeah, he definitely has been in the conversation. I think you know. Obviously, I I am not his biggest supporter, but you can't you can't argue the fact that he's playing good basketball. He's been a big reason why the Raptors have been able to you know get a little bit better, and and I think that he does have a lot of value for the team. So kind of pivoting here, Teddy. So the Raptors yeah. have had a bit of a you know an up and down kind of season. They were off to a horrible start. They kind of bounce mm-hmm. back, but then they're they'll beat the Bucks, but then lose to. Mm-hmm. The ma- loose the magic, and it's just it, it's been kind of a weird year. So if, if you put yeah. yourself in Masai's shoes, are you buying or selling before the trade deadline? <sighs> right now we are sixteen and seventeen. I remember uh, in the beginning of the year we were like at like two and nine at one point, and yeah, you know, like yeah. like every passionate fan, we were. It was just heartbreaking to watch. It hurts so much watching because like. You know, like, it just reminded me of, like, Jermaine O'Neal type days where I, like, thought we were crazy and then I would keep watching and we'd keep losing and losing. Um, But the way that we bounce back to 500, uh, I wouldn't trade any pieces unless it's for a center. I think every other... Okay. I think every other position that we're, we're pretty good. We're pretty locked in. That boy Norman has been stepping up. OG is solid. Bembry off the yep. bench is solid. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I felt like Utah getting dunked on was an Asian hate crime. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I like to shout out. I like to shout out Utah too. That was so disgusting. Oh my god! I had all my. <laughs> I had to message all my cousins and I said, "Hey, you all right? <laughs> Everything good?" <laughs> um, but shouts out Utah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, facts, facts. Yeah, shouts out Utah. I actually reached out to him to come on my live, so hopefully he comes on soon. But uh, did you actually? Yeah, I reached out to him. He yeah, he, he communicated. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. You never know. That's right? sick, man. Are, sick. These guys are mad. Yeah. These guys are mad busy. So yeah. For and then sure. and it was he's, weird. He's it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy because I reached out before that. So I don't know. I don't know how to ease in into that one. But I mean, I feel like he, he's he's cool. He's been like a jolly off the bench. But yeah, no, I think our team is 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 great right now. I think that um, guys continue to step up. I think we have a solid core. I think Siakam. What the hell, eh? He started step. He, he like yo. He got so much hate in the beginning of the year, and now he just blocked mm-hmm. off all the noise. And he's like, 
I guess I'm gonna let her rip then. To, to, yeah, and like yeah. spin yeah. whatever way. He's 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 playing really well. Um, I just feel like our biggest hole right now is our center position, and if we're gonna play at an elite level, especially in the playoffs, we could use a guy like Drummond or I'm gonna say Cousins. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So you, so you would go after them right now because Dan and I talked last week about the whole Drummond thing, and and I think there are pros and cons. So you would go after one of those because Cousins comes with a lot of baggage too, right? I know, but like honestly, I'm down. Cousins, that'd be fun. Deny, <laughs> that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, he can't deny his talent. See, the thing is, the True. Drummond one is cool, but. Does it take us over the edge? I don't know. Cousins, I believe, healthy. If both of them are playing healthy and we're choosing one, Cousins takes us over the edge. We have another alpha. We have a dog. We have a guy that doesn't True. take shit. And we have a guy that could drop 30. And if a guy paired with a leader like Lowry with Fleet and Siakam, we could be super dangerous. That's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't really given much thought to Cousins in general, but I, I kind mm. of agree. And I think I like that he can shoot... Um, yep. uh, definitely better than Drummond, so he can spread the floor a little bit. And I 100% agree with the dog, the dog in him, because yeah. the Raptors kind of at their best have always had like a few kind of like just gritty dudes. Even in the DeRozan days, you yep. know, he had PJ Tucker, extra Ibaka, PJ. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Couldn't agree more. That's interesting for sure. Dan, what yeah. do you think? Would you you buying or selling? Well, I had said a couple of weeks back uh, just to kind of chill, you know, just kind of chill and see how these guys develop, right? See who you have. He See who Siakam is. See who Van Vliet really is, right? So I agree that I love the core. And if you do want to maybe add somebody at that center position, you know, as a little test, um, yep. I think you could find, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, more entertaining options than DeMarcus Cousins, right? <laughs> In terms, on the court true. and off the court, it, it, would, it would definitely generate buzz. Yeah, uh, and you know, and, true. It, and and it could make a huge difference on the court too. So that would be interesting. I'm with Teddy all the way on that one. Interesting. So Ted, yeah. so are you? Yeah. Um, let's say we add another piece. So Aaron uh -huh. Baines decides that you know he gets shipped off to Mexico to go have my ties by the beach because the dude is awful. <laughs> um, we get a proper center in there. Do you think that the Raptors, with the team they have, plus let's say one more piece, can make a serious run at? the title if not the title at least yeah. getting to a point where they can get to the conference finals ultimately against the nets and put up a good fight do you think they're yeah. there oh totally totally we look this is the thing about the raptors that i've 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 grown to love over the years we have an identity boys we're not yeah. just we're mm -hmm. not just like add players now every year and see what we can do we have an mm -hmm. identity when you face us you know like to be to be start off the season so bad and now be to be at 500 and even to be at um the fifth spot in the east like says something about us we don't bow down we don't end you know what i mean and yeah, we have the point. pieces we have the experience we actually have guys that really made it all the way um there's with with a couple pieces a hundred percent we can make we can make a run again but I'm going to be realistic. In terms of finals, there's guys like LeBron that's just going to kill your vibe. There's guys like yeah. the New Jer mm -hmm. the the Brooklyn Nets if they stay healthy, like that's a sexy team, bro. Like that's a yeah. like that team yeah. is so like, you know what I mean? So Yeah, it's um, an all-star team. That's half of the all that's like half of the all-star team right there. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah. honestly on the East, the only team I respect, bro, is the Nets. I don't respect any other team on the East at all. Like right. I feel like the Raptors in 7 will give them a problem. We have a lot mm. of gritty guys. We have we have an identity, boys. We 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 don't back down no more. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna say up until maybe the Eastern Conference Finals, and then I'll be realistic. And when it's the finals, uh, LeBron becomes a demon. 
I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. I mean, I, we're going to have to bring you on towards the end of the season and see if this oh, yeah. uh, if this plays out, but I love it. Okay, let's get into the last segment before we let you go. We know you got like a lot of hot appointments later today, a lot of, lot of, people, <laughs> nah, nah. Lot of people to see. Nah, um, nah. I got to go to Tim Hortons, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Raptors all-time five. You can choose any Raptor, whether they wow. played one game, whether they were with us for 10 seasons. You need a starting five. Who are you going with at each position? Okay. Does it have to? So, okay. Does it ha- It has to. I can't put like two guards, three point guards. No, like just. I think you could do whatever you want, right? Like if you look at like kind of the all-star game, you got guys at the three normally that are going to play the four. And sometimes you got a four that's going to play, you know, going to play center. But you got to mm. keep in mind, you put out a lot of like tiny guys. I'm going to run a lineup of just Charles Oakley, Valanchunas. <laughs> I'm going to get Bargnani playing shooting guard, you know, like just. Gonna... So, um, yeah, but uh, whatever what you want, question. man. What a question, man. Um This one this one is this one's crazy. You said only five, right? Only yeah, five. Yeah, just your starting five. Yeah, we've had a lot of good guys. Let me throw some names out for you while you think. Yeah. T T J Ford. Yeah. Obviously yeah, probably yeah, not yeah. making the list, but that, he's a hooper. Hey, Tito that, Turkaloo. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Charlie yeah. Villanueva. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you know you gotta uh, say more. You gotta say Carlos Arroyo. <laughs> yeah. Rafael Arugio. Oh, that guy's my boy. Stop. That's first junkyard dog. What about no, Alvin Williams? We've had a lot of like really random hoopers. I, I honestly did not pick any of those guys I just listed, but we've had a lot of characters in the Toronto. <laughs> Are you guys gonna tell me your five after I say? Sorry, say guys, that again. Are you guys gonna give me your top five after I finish mine? Yes, we will. I think Dan and I talked before we got on. Uh, we pretty much actually ended up on the exact same list. So know, we basically I have know. like, we got one list for you. So we'll see okay. if it differs from you. Okay. So I know, uh, I already know what the list is. That's the thing. Okay. I understand like there's certain guys that need to make it 100%. I'm going to go number one. My favorite Raptor uh, is Kyle Lowry. So I'm going to make okay. him start that point oh, yeah. right there. Point guard. Perfect. That is my favorite Raptor of like literally of all time. The way he, uh, watching him over the years progress. Um, he's the only guy to ever really get some charges in an all-star game. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Come That's on. So you know how That's annoying so you have to be yeah. to get that call in an all-star <laughs> game? Yo, he, he knows what he, he's so... Uh, if I ever get to sit down with him one day, I would love to break down the science behind the charge. Um, yeah. So yeah. I put Kyle Lowry at the point guard. I'm going to have to add okay. the boy... I to, I'm going to have to add the boy CB4. Um, uh, Chris Bosh. Yeah. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say Chris Bosh when he had braids because when he was screaming after every dunk, <laughs> it was just ferocious. I'm gonna say Chris Bosh with the braids. I'm okay. gonna be specific. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. Man, you have to. You know, I'm not gonna say Kawhi because he only played one year, man. He okay. Only played All one right. year. I'm not gonna say Kawhi. I understand what I he did for it. us, and he is yeah. he. If you wanna, if you wanna be real, he's the best Raptor we've ever had. Like, if you wanna just do that, but. Yeah. Ever, like ever. And like, what an yep. incredible story. This guy didn't even really know what he wanted to do here and won the championship the first year. What a guy. Um, True. Did it so did it so nonchalantly and left. Um, but I'm not going to add him there just because of the time that he didn't. He didn't. I, w- I would wish at least spend two years with us type of thing. I respect um, it. I'm going to go with him. CB4. I'm going to go with. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Tracy McGrady at the shooting guard. 
Okay. Or small forward. Tracy. I'm going Tracy. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with Tracy McGrady at the small forward. Um, okay. He wasn't even as polished as he was in his Magic or Rocket days, but Tracy McGrady, um, even said by Kobe, was probably the same player as him, if not better. Um, yeah. I'm going to add... Uh, this is where it gets weird because there's definitely a, a couple oh, good names left. There's definitely a couple good names left. You know, I'm going to have to add, uh, I'm going to, okay. Okay. I'm going to go with, I'm going to put CB. I'm going to put CB4 at the center. Okay. okay. I'm yep. going to put Kyle at the point. Um, I'm going to put Tracy McGrady at the four. <laughs> At the four, okay. All right. Put him at the four. Uh, I'm gonna up. have to. I'm gonna have to add VC, man. Vince Carter. You okay. can't. You can't. Right. You can't, man. Everyone's yeah. list has Vince Carter. He's played he long years to. with us. Uh, iconic. You need him, especially on the fast have break. To. I can't even imagine the alley oops that Lowry locked to him. <laughs> and then my final pick is. Uh, I'm gonna give the flowers to him. Um, is is, is the Rosen, man? Come on, son. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta yeah. have the Rosen yeah. on that top five. Now yep, look, got it's gonna it's gonna be crazy, right? Oh my God, DeRozan over Kawhi. I already know what Kawhi can do, and <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that DeRozan, uh, just like how Dan loves players that are loyal to us, he was loyal yeah. all the way. He and he, yep. he embodied what a Raptor is. Um, you know, mid range game is crazy, and you know, even when he's on the Spurs, he's still a decorated player and still is killing it. So, I would Props. love to see a, a team of Lowry, DeRozan at the two. Carter. Oh no! I put a Balari. I put Vince Carter at the two. DeRozan at the three. Vince uh, Tracy McGrady at the four, and CB4 at the five. I like it. I like it, man. Can't argue with anything you said. I know Dan and I. The only difference we did give the shoutouts to Kawhi, like you said. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So we. I, I. But surprisingly enough, I. I dropped Tracy McGrady. And put DeMar DeRozan over. I know Dan agreed with me. I think yeah. that just when you look at the stats, like Kyle is a no-brainer. He leads the teams in three-point yep. shots, three-point shots taken, yep. assists, charges, yep. fucking minutes played, everything. And DeMar DeRozan is kind of the same. He's got the most games played for a Raptor. He's got the most field goals, the most free throws. So for me, he was a no-brainer. Yep. Vince Carter is Vince Carter. Chris Bosh. <laughs> oh, you know what? I love the addition of the braids because I agree. He had that yeah. anger back then. <laughs> he had that anger. Yeah, we're not going to say Um, cb4 without the braids on the raptors that's true but i mean honestly to think back when what i like about this exercise like you can really like dive into like who the raptors have been where they've come from the guys we've Mm -hmm. seen in and out of this jersey and and it's just cool it's just cool to think about teddy thank you for coming on today i had a lot of fun this was great Teddy, yeah, thank man. you, man. So good to see you. I'm honestly so happy to know that you're doing good with all this shit going around the last year. And uh, it's good to see you, man. Really. Appreciate hopefully you guys. Hopefully we can all get you together are... again. No, for sure. Again, like in person, hopefully. And um, I've been listening and I've been following with what Josh is posting too on that sports, um, on, on your Instagram. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, sky's the limit for this page, man. I, 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 I'm excited to see where you guys go with this. Appreciate you, man. Till next time. Yes, sir. Okay, moving on to our next topic of the day, UFC. And uh, Izzy had alluded to it earlier. Uh, Blades <laughs> taken down by Lewis. Josh, yeah. you are a loser again. <laughs> what do you have to say about that, buddy? Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm watching that fight, and I'm just 
Blades looked so good. He was light on his feet. Even like I was watching it with my partner and she was like, oh my God, that guy. Like, and she's referring to Derek Lewis. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Like his knees are locked. He looks like some like bar fighter just standing there. He got clipped a number of times by Curtis Blades and even a couple, like he staggered him back. And as he's trying to go back, a leg kick comes and actually drops him because he's just... He's not all that athletic, and he's like 36, so Blades is more athletic. He's just, uh, like, he's physically bigger in, like, reach and just stature, obviously not weight and just the fact that Derek Lewis is, is kind of fat. But what it came down to is he couldn't get the takedown, right? Like, he didn't want to stand and bang with Derek Lewis for the whole fight. We knew that, right? Mm-hmm. So he's picking his spots, he's coming in, and he looked Fantastic. But he comes in a couple times, tries to tie him up, but Derek Lewis managed to keep that distance, kept him off of him. And then he comes in for the takedown. Bang! He hits him with that uppercut. I watch him go rigor mortis. Rigor mortis the clown falls back. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. After I told you to call your Grammy, tell her to put the house up on the... Uh, I, I just, you know, I have to apologize. Oh yeah. I had <laughs> forgotten the, the, the audacity and the, <laughs> the enthusiasm with which you delivered that prediction last week. You might find yourself in a jerk of the week segment on your own program. <laughs> there young man uh, but that was funny and uh, you know this is uh, this is the reason you make these yeah. hilarious predictions right it's just to get them thrown in your face or to throw them in other faces right. it's all about throwing it in faces so I'm That's... liking the frequency with which these UFC events are happening though like on a serious note you are I'm liking this okay. yeah I am I am because you can just you can catch it so often now and there's just the and the quality the quality of the fights is, seems to be like really high lately definitely like, what do you, what, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, like the so this pass card was was pretty decent for for a non pay per view. Like that was a you know a heavyweight fight. It's kind of it's kind of cool with two contenders. I mean, uh, for me, I think there are a little bit too many. Um, it's just kind of a little bit harder to follow. Like I said in the past, for me, it just it's harder to build up a really good dialogue. But that being said, the UFC has so many fighters right now that they're kind of pigeonholed into they need to have more events because they need to you know, have more people contending and finding out, you know, Mm -hmm. where people stack. So I agree. I'm not complaining. It's great to have fights. And and, and what's exciting about this one, even though I was dead wrong, was that, you know, this is kind of the beauty of the heavyweight division. A lot of people like the smaller divisions because, you know, they don't gas as easily. They can go a little harder. You know, they, there's often like more bloody fights because they don't really have sometimes that knockout power. So they're just beating each other up, which is fun. Um, but here you just have a guy that he's losing. He's down and out. Josh is on his couch, ready to count count his wins on his hand. And then, you know, <laughs> that big shot takes him out. So I do have a question for you, Dan. So he Derek Luce hits him with the uppercut. He goes rigor mortis. He jumps on him, bang, bang, hits him with two shots. He cannot he cannot protect himself because he's out. There were a lot of people talking smack about the ref and his lack of stoppage on that fight. So from my perspective, what I saw was he hits him, he goes down. It's very clear that he's out. And you hear the ref immediately say, okay, he's done as he's making his way over to stop the fight. But now, the like, how fast, you know, what is the expectation of the ref? He can't stand within a foot of them the whole fight. 
you know, and then this is what happens, right? It's like if he's too far away, somebody can get hurt. But if he's too close, it inhibits the fight. And they're athletes. They're moving around. They're moving quick. He can't be right there. Do you have any kind of take on this on this and, and referee stoppages and and was it right, wrong? I, 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 you know, I don't know. That's a good, good, good question, man, because so many times you see, you know, the winner wailing on the head of the guy, you know, unconscious on the right. floor, yeah. right? And it doesn't sit right with me, man. It just looks wrong. Yeah, I agree. It just looks like, a, like an assault occurring, right? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And I know it's sanctioned and other professionals. I know, like, that guy can take 6,000 to the power of 30 more punches than I can. Um, but to see a guy ragdoll, from ragdoll to rigor mortis and back again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting nailed in the head. It's, 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 I don't know, it's stomach churning to a degree, but when you put it that way about, you know, the proximity of the referee to the fighters during the fight, like, oh my goodness, I I don't really have any propositions or anything in terms of what you could do to kind of fix that. Yeah. Uh, But there has to be some sort of electronic something or, 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 or fines maybe something you can address after the fact. I don't know. Yeah. It's such a weird one because there have been times where refs have not stopped a fight quick enough because they're giving a chance for the fighter to come to. Cause like sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can take one on the chin, lose consciousness a little bit as bad yeah. as that sounds and kind of regroup. So they don't want to stop it too early. I think that the fans here are blowing it out of proportion. I think that if anything, it's on Derek Lewis, you can see his arms are straight up and he's out and you're jumping on him and keep on hitting him. You're a human being. I realize that they're, you know, the counter argument is, their adrenaline is really high. They're just, you know, and some of them have more like that killer instinct where they're not perceiving reality as like a normal person watching it, right? They're just mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. kill mode. So when the guy mm-hmm. goes out, they're not thinking about the fact that he's out there in that kill mode. So I agree. Maybe there could be something where, you know, maybe guys are fined or there's something that, that can be done where, because the ref came in as soon as he could. He's not, you know, he's not the fly. Yeah, he's he not superhuman. What's exactly. He do? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think Herb Dean, he's one of the best in the business. I think he did completely fine. Um, but I agree, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to watch. Maybe it's an education thing. I mean, these guys are surrounded by combat sports and like biomechanics their whole life, so I have to assume that they know more than the average person would. But you know, there's telltale signs when someone's lost consciousness when when the lights are out. Right. There's telltale signs we yeah. all have. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember that time I knocked you out last week? And don't, right, Josh? Don't uh, <laughs> no, don't get smart with me again. All right. But see, I read. <laughs> But see, I read about the telltale signs, though, but in all right. seriousness, just like these things, you know, when your eyes roll back or like you said, the arm positioning, right, yeah. or anything like that, maybe if more fighters were taught to recognize those immediately, again, like you said, though, it's kind of hard to go from that killer shark instinct to all of a sudden diagnosing guys with, you know, different ailments, but I don't know, man, I just feel like maybe more could be done, at least maybe like feign that you're doing more or act like you're kind of, you know, trying to put this education forward right. and say, hey... But then again, it kind of tarnishes the image of let's fight and UFC and, you know, we have all this drama, but I'm going to lay off on you at the very end. I'm going to have some humility at the end. So it comes into clash with the brand, with the product. But again, it just, I don't think it'll ever sit right with me of guys just kind of flopping on the deck and flopping like a fish, like the SpongeBob introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Just, it just looks wrong to see human body uh, get pummeled like that. Yeah. And it's got to be hard for the families too. Okay. Keeping with UFC, um, Next up, UFC 259. We actually have a stacked card, okay? I am ecstatic. For everyone listening, I am going to tell you why I am so excited. The main event, 
for the light heavyweight title of the world. Jan Blachowicz defending his light heavyweight title against the current middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya. Okay, so potentially Izzy could walk away with two titles after this fight and he would become only the fifth person in UFC history to do it. Conor McGregor was first. We all know that one. Then Daniel Cormier. Then Amanda Nunes, who we'll get into next because she's also fighting on this card. And then Henry Cejudo. So he would be entering some serious, serious territory by doing this. I'll do a little breakdown. Mm -hmm. Me and you talked about it before we got on air. Israel Adesanya is 19-0. and He has not lost a professional fight. He's the middleweight champion of the world. He's defended his title twice. He beat a tough guy in Whitaker to take the title. He has 15 of his 19 wins are by stoppage. The man is likely, if not now, going to be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So I am excited to see him fight. But he's not exactly going up against some nobody. He's going up against the champ. He is a lot bigger. Izzy's going up a weight class, so there is going to be a little bit of size. Blackwoods is 27-8. and eight. He He's pretty well-rounded. He's won about a third of his fights by stoppage, TKO, KO. He's won a third of his fights by submission, and about a third of his fights have gone to decision. So, But Israel Adesanya's takedown defense is at about 86%. So I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited. Two titles. Okay, I love it. It's looking like this is Arisanya's coming out party, perhaps, because you can't really argue with the numbers. And, uh, you know, I, I have limited experience and limited exposure to the young man. But from the preparation I did for today, uh, it sounds like he's on like a superstar trajectory. Yeah, he honestly, he's already on the rise. He's already a bona fide star. He is super charismatic. He was like a top recognizable name. You think it's going to be get to that point? Eh? I think he I think that if right now he's probably already one of the biggest draws in the UFC. I think after he ultimately and you heard it here first wins this light heavyweight title he's going to be a two-time champion he's going to be 20 and 0 and i think that he basically is going to be the ufc's replacement for conor mcgregor wow yeah that's what i kind of what i was kind of trying to prod you towards so the new face the new face then so for, for casuals and diehards alike yeah, he he's charismatic. He's well spoken. He he's hosted. Um, he's done some like color commentary already for the UFC and different kind of boxing events. He knows the game, and he he likely is one of the best fighters on the planet right now. He actually kind of reminds me of a younger and smaller version of John Jones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so the thing super- I'm gonna say to that is oh lasagna oh my god <laughs> okay so that, that is you heard it here first that shitty meme you heard it here first you're gonna see it all you people listening you're gonna see that on your on your your meme page on your instagram and you're gonna say i heard that before and that's the low that's the low effort meme you heard here first that's the low-hanging fruit joke for sure so that that's mm-hmm. gonna be honestly a super exciting fight then we got a mm-hmm. co-main event um, Amanda Nunes, like I said, she's already a two-time champion. She's a champion in the featherweight and in the bantamweight. Div- oh, sorry, in the flyweight and the bantamweight. She's already defended both titles several times. She's 20 and four. She's beat Ronda Rousey. She's beat uh, Misha Tate. She beat Chris Cyborg, who everyone thought, obviously she was kind of at the end of her career, but Chris Cyborg is honestly horrifying. So she is trajecting to be basically the... 
Izzy Adesanya of the women's side, and she's mm-hmm. going up against an 11 and 4 Anderson. So I think that she is a top of her class. I think they're running out of decent fighters to put her up against. And now they have her going up against a woman who I think her only advantage is that she's six feet tall. So Amanda Nunez, everyone should be watching her fights all the time anyway. That's already, 100%. you know, that's already must see television. So you're right in saying that, yeah, there must be running out of interesting fighters to pit her against, right? Like what more can you do? Yeah, that that's basically What more it. can you do? Yep. But it's interesting because I would say, you know, a lot of the fighters, when they're talking about this, it's obviously Nunez's fight to lose. But they're saying, you know, don't count out Anderson. Like I said, she's six feet tall. She's at least 10, 15 pounds heavier than Nunez, like kind of her natural weight. And, you know, when you have stuff like that happen, that's where you can maybe get caught or, you know, slip. But that being said, I think, again, you know, I, I would lock her in for a W. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So UFC 259 looks fantastic. When does that uh, when's that air again, Josh? I believe in two weeks. I think it's March 6th. Yeah, well, we'll March check 6th. back in sometime before then. Uh, but let's move on. Let's go ahead and check in on the NHL. So yes, sir. Things going <clears throat> goings on over there. I read an article talking about uh, you know making arguments whether or not the Leafs. Uh, would participate in a potential fire sale by the Nashville Predators. Now, we know, of course, notoriously, the Leafs don't have a whole lot of wiggle room uh, with cap and salary obligations. Um, But if the Predators were to make players available, Josh, do you see any players on that team that, you know, might actually fetch them a return? Because as we were saying before the show today, they're sort of marquee, quote-unquote, pieces like Matt Duchesne. Um, I guess Kyle Turris is gone now. But, you know, Matt Duchesne, uh, even Pekka Rinne, I don't even know if he's still bouncing around in their in their net. But their sort of marquee players would not fetch them anything. They would have to part with a Roman Yossi type. Right. Uh, so w- what do you think? The, the Predators, to me, I'll, I'll start with what I think. David Poyle is similar to Jim Rutherford of the Penguins. Uh, of mm. course, without any of the hardware, right? right. But yep. it's just a sort of old guard kind of, you know, phasing out, having this core that they built around. Now it's not the Sidney Crosby core, so don't let's not get that twisted. But still a very good core, mm-hmm. and I think just kind of throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck. And unfortunately, in Nashville, uh, nothing really stuck. Mm-hmm. So now begins the process of them dismantling it. It was a few years ago now. I, I can't even remember when. It feels like, well, this year feels like 10. But that the Nashville Predators were in the finals. Was that 2017, I think? Uh, I think they were the West. Yeah, Yeah, they lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they yeah. lost to Pittsburgh in the finals there. So I think, again, that was their best shot. Um, and, and, and really never got as far or as close as as far as that ever since. So... Um, just with that context, you know, what do you think? What do you think next for the Predators? And then we'll go ahead and we'll address the North Division. Yeah, I think, honestly, you've put, pretty much put the nail on the head. It's that the Leafs don't have a lot of wiggle room right now, so they would have to probably give up a pretty decent piece. And the only thing that they the Predators really have to offer are 
high-level defenseman, kind of like you said. Like you're looking at kind of like a Yossi. But the chances that they're going to trade their captain in the middle of the season is probably pretty unlikely. So Probably close to zero. Yeah, I don't really see a lot of movement happening. I know that in general, like there have been some outlets that have been talking about it. I mean, like really, are you going to try to bring on like a Ryan Ellis? Like does he really feel like a, like a super big need for us? Like we already kind of have those type of defensemen in the past and it hasn't really worked out if anything you want to add like some bigger bodies and I just I just don't see it as a great fit and I mean and the Leafs are also in a spot right now where they are just running through the competition and it's turned out that a lot of the guys that we talked about at the beginning of the year like Bogosian like Simmons when he was healthy that have really kind of panned out for the team Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like even Jumbo Joe, like we made our jokes that he wasn't going to be able to keep up with some of the young guns, but he has. And his his hands are fantastic. And that's something that with age doesn't really go away. And we're seeing him adding a lot of value to this team. So honestly, for me, if they can stay healthy, I don't see a lot of need for improvement. And it's one of those things. I'm not the biggest Frederick Anderson fan. He showed us signs of brilliance over the years, but then he kind of. You know, going back to the SpongeBob, he 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 like he, he's flopping like a fish a lot, like far too often. <laughs> he's on his belly. You know, I don't want to pretend like my time in single A GTHL hockey as a goalie is going to really like make me seem like a great insider. But the fact of the matter is, when you watch guys, you know, when you watch guys like Vasilevsky, they look so effortless all the time, and Anderson doesn't. Right, He kind of comes out, he cuts down the angle, it hits him, and then he hits the deck and he's on his gut. He is one of the worst puck-moving goalies I've ever seen. But let's just say you decide, oh, we're going to try to add Pecorine, which I don't think is a good idea. But he also has had similar troubles where he's been on a team that's mm-hmm. been good and they couldn't get over the hump. So what would, you know, what would be the point? So I'm with you. I have a question for you, sir. Sure. Earlier this week, the Habs are playing the Senators. With two seconds mm-hmm. left on the clock, they score to to for what could have been the game-winning goal. Gallagher with the tip in front. It ends up getting called back, and subsequently, they lose in overtime. Now, you saw the goal. Is that a goal? Is that a good goal? Huh. You can't see my hands right now, but I'm waving it off. <laughs> really? I'm waving off okay. the goal. I'm okay. waving off the goal. And why is and that? I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, and I don't care. I'm waving the goal off because, okay, the goaltender was spun. Okay, first, let me preface this by saying Matt Murray is awful. He's an awful <laughs> goaltender. Okay. He's playing terrible right now. Yeah, He's been he terrible since those cups. Um, so he makes things look worse than they are, right? It's like if you spun an Olympic skater around, and then you spun like a toddler who can't walk around. Right. Like, it's going to look worse when you spin the toddler. You're yeah. still spinning something, <laughs> but he, he, it's going to look worse when it's the toddler. Matt Murray's the toddler in the situation. So he does the full 360, and then you see him looking around, and then you see the puck going in. And people's argument were, was that Brendan Gallagher was getting out of the way, mm-hmm. uh, and that Matt Murray had more than enough time to reset. The problem I have with that argument is that every clip that was played was in slow motion so of course it looks like he had more time than he did true right yep. the difference between slow motion and a national hockey league game pace is completely different right mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that i don't like about it is that it's no coincidence that's brendan gallagher's ass in there right they would be crying their eyes out if brady kachuk was rolling over carrie price that's a that's a good point that's a good point 
I I right? will, if he, yeah yeah that's a good point. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I just uh, I I I I can see though if it happened to my team. I full disclosure, if it happened, you know, the opposite happened to my team, and I was really invested, and you know, our goal was taken away with two minutes left. I'd be furious, right? And it, with that exact same situation. So again, my bottom line is that it it of course could have gone either way, but I am I'm going to be on the side of I think they made the right call. I'm going to be the controversial guy. I honestly I I I think honestly taking either end of the coin here is is pretty much acceptable. I don't think it was like a super clear cut, like that's a goal or that's not a goal. I think that Mm -hmm. part of that is because the NHL doesn't have very firm rules on interacting with the goaltender, right? Like, so goalies at the end of the day are hockey players, right? Like we, we kind of like, you know, we play with them with, with kid gloves a little bit and I get it. They're not like other players. They, they're, they're more prone to kind of get hurt because they're, they're facing the puck and, and, and just their goals while they're on the ice are quite a bit different. But I will say, if you watch it, Gallagher looks like, while he takes a little bit of a route that is too close to the goalie, Zaitsev is all over him. And for me, he makes that contact that pushes Gallagher into the goalie. I would also then say that Murray didn't really put a ton of effort into getting back in net. And when I watched it for me at full time, I saw a good goal. When you broke it down, and for me, when it got slower, I was actually kind of the opposite of you. Then I was like, okay, well, did Gallagher do it on purpose? You know, okay, he kind of flopped a little bit easy into the goalie, and he spun him around. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm a little bit confused. But I think that Zaitsev initiated that contact contact into Gallagher. I think Gallagher was trying to get just outside of the blue paint, maybe a little too close. But I think there was an effort there not to engage with the goalie. And I think it was the Sens defender that kind of initiated pushing him in. And for me, I uh, you know I saw a good goal. Ultimately, it led to a Habs loss. And that was back-to-back losses to the Sens, which ultimately resulted in their coach and assistant coach being fired. Claude Julian and Kirk Muller are officially looking for jobs with the Sports Jerks podcast. Do you think that if that <laughs> if that goal was allowed that they would have still had jobs? Um I like to think that like professional organizations aren't that reactionary. Um so I think that they would have been fired anyway. I, I okay. want to say that. But it's hard to think that they wouldn't have maybe bought them an afternoon, <laughs> one more meal paid by the Habs organization. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, may- yeah, maybe another game or two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe that. But I want to think that you know teams operate with a lot more long term kind of thing in sight there. Yeah, I think this is a part of like a greater discussion because I think that the general manager made he you know he made some moves and and he upgraded you know he got Jake Allen in there Joel Edmondson Tyler Toffoli Josh Anderson he made a clear effort in the offseason oh, yeah. to 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 make a better team and they were playing better but by no means do I think you with those moves guaranteed yourself as an elite team so I think there's a bit of a scapegoat on the coaching staff switching gears not for nothing Dan. But I love the new esports facility that I saw coming to Toronto in 2025. For everyone who has not heard, Overactive Media announced a new state-of-the-art e-gaming facility that will be placed on the exhibition grounds in Toronto and set to open by 2025. It'll be a 7,000-seat venue created primarily for e-gaming, but it'll be open to other events and award shows, and it will be attached to a new high-end hotel. Now, for me... I love it. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, we're going to start with looks. That thing looks like a giant, beautiful spaceship, and I love it. Number two, 
I fall in a weird, I'm kind of old, e-gaming as a whole, I'm still legitimately a little bit confused about it. I love to game, you love to game, we love to game together. Do I really want to watch people game? Personally, at this point in time, no, that might change down the line. I haven't really given it you know, a lot of, a lot of tries watching it, but we're seeing overseas in Korea, them packing stadiums and doing this. So here's the real reason why I love this. And it's not necessarily because of e-gaming. It's because Toronto is one of the biggest and best cities in the world. And that's not just because we're biased and we live here. It is because we have all of the infrastructure, a huge population. We have a great economy. It is basically the focal point of all of Canada. We are leaders in a lot of different industries. We have good tech companies coming up. I think that it is good to lead different things. And them doing this tells me that they want to be a leader in the e-gaming space. And this is the time to do it because it's too late in 10 years. When New York has a version, when LA has a version, when Tokyo has a version, you need to lead. And I love the idea of Toronto leading in this space. What do you think about it? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right on it. I'll tell you this. I love video gaming. You know that about me. Like you said, you love video gaming. I love it. We game together since we were really small. Um, yep. The older I get, however, the less I would be, a, you know, would, would be interested in watching other people play video games. And the nature of the games that are played competitively, you know, the fighting games and the shooting games, the Call of Duties, uh, the 2Ks, yeah. the sports, um, you know, that's fantastic. But I'm not as kind of like interactive with like the online component anymore. I, I'd much rather curl up and, and read a good game. You know what I mean? Like almost like, yeah. a, and almost like replacing it with like a book, that medium. So I think maybe you and I are relics of a bygone era, but looking forward for the kids, you know, the kids that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis will be thrilled and they're, they'll shoot out the, the ceiling when they hear about this. They'll be so excited. Yeah. Me as kind of an old head. Yeah, I, I see it. Like you said, I'm still kind of confused by it. And like the, like the, the allure of, and the spectacle of wanting to watch a bunch of guys and girls sitting in their chairs and gaming. I know there's a sort of team and a community aspect to it, right? It's the same reason we right. watch sports, right? Of course, I understand why it's yeah. there. I think maybe if I took the time to kind of sit down and maybe got to know some of the players' personalities and invest myself in it, like anything, I'm sure I could get yeah. interested. But, you know, at this yeah. at this juncture, I just feel like it's not something that I would personally, you know, really check in on or be super interested in. But I could see why it would be good for the industry. We've got a lot of great video game developers based just in Toronto, right, or around Toronto. Yeah. Uh, and, sure. and, and and the next generation of kids, they love their video games and they love specifically anime and manga. All that stuff is huge right now. And that's big in fighting games. And again, that is the older I get, the more I see the dollar signs that can be attached to that for the city uh, and, and, and the video game landscape in the city in general. So, well, like I said, I'm kind of past it. I'll check in on it from time to time. Um, but going forward, yeah, if you want to compete with like Silicon Valley or like the San Francisco, California tech giants, uh, especially in the world of video games, it's something that, yeah, for sure, people should be excited about. Yeah, and it's time to do it, right? Like I said, I mean, like in Korea, they've been doing similar things and people love it. And, and, and who am I to judge you know, what people find entertaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I honestly look at the evolution of e-gaming also similarly to like, say, darts in, in, uh, in the UK. It's like, have you ever seen a live dart event in Scotland? There are thousands of people, they're wasted, they're screaming, they have <laughs> flags, and I'm like, oh my God. But if I was there, I would probably love it. So I think that this is, we are at 
a revolutionary time in sports history, whether we like it or not, and we can either get on board or we're going to have to get out of the way because this train is a moving. Well, I'll tell you what, if they get an open bar or some form of an extensive bar going in that facility, I'll be there with you first night, and we're watching any game. I don't give a shit what we watch. We'll watch uh, something. Drinks on me. Let me hit you with one, Josh. I'm going to get a little more real here for you for a second. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. But people need to back off of Tiger Woods, man. I'm getting pissed off now. (laughs) I'm getting upset, and I'm going to tell you right now. Tell me response on twitter and even a couple comments on our very own post about tiger woods unfortunate vehicle accident this week i think it was just yesterday at the time of this recording uh everybody had something to say everybody had something smug everybody was a comedian and it aligns with what we said a couple weeks ago about the tiger woods documentary and how we kind of broke that whole thing down it gave me even more sympathy for the man that's still going on that's literally right. still going on. And now he's not in the limelight anymore, right? So, you know, the media and people commenting can't really make these jokes. Social media wasn't what it was back then, right? right. And now that Tiger's back in the news for something as terrible as this. Come on, man. Be a human being. People are saying, oh, mm-hmm. prop drunk again. Or, oh, check out the tree. Make sure the tree was okay. Then it's not hurt. Or do this. That's disgusting. Right. And I know that there's not really... I'd like to hope that there's not a, a, a opinion that is opposite to mine, but when I go on Twitter and see the replies to CP24 and, and, and the replies to all the other news outlets, I just see this, this disturbing trend of fat, bald, middle-aged-ass men who never played a damn sport <laughs> in their life, of course, yeah. getting their little wee moment to shit on Tiger and to feel like they're like, right. like Twitter comedians. So I had to get, out to, right. get that off my chest. Uh, and I thought, what better segment than the not for nothing? What do you think? Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. I mean, uh, you know, Tiger has been, he's had some ups and downs in the last few years as far as his actual golf career. I know that he recently had undergone surgery and he was hoping to kind of make a climb back for the Masters, which as a golf fan, I was really excited uh-huh. about. Um, I think that he still has some golfing left in him prior to this uh, incident. And I agree. I think that. There is a separation between, you know, human beings and their athletic prowess and what is happening on, you know, on the, in this case, on the course, right? So I think that making jokes about somebody that clearly, you know, has had a serious injury is likely in poor taste. I also think that it's the internet and I think that, you know, I'm not quite as angry as you because I Mm -hmm. think that people probably to some extent don't mean it. It's more of just like a shock and awe for likes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I will say that um, hearing, you know, the severity of his injuries and uh, his ankle shattered, he had a compound fracture, he had another fracture that, you know, this could legitimately be the end of, of, of his golf career. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear that, you know, he's alive, he's going to make a recovery because, you know, he, he has two, he has two small children, um, you know, that need a father. So I, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think that people need to get off the man. Um, I do hope that it turns out that, you know, he wasn't impaired in any way. They're saying he wasn't at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in the past he's had some issues with um, with painkillers, and and it's and I don't want to be the person to judge that because I don't I don't deal with that level of chronic pain, and I think it's unfair of me to make a big judgment about people that happen to abuse their medicine. And see, if more people took a pause like you did just there and said, you know, who am I to comment on that? I think if more people had that humility, I think we'd be okay. Uh, I know the internet is just like a comically ridiculous place and, uh, you know, a, a, a 
comically poisonous place with words that people like to choose to use. Um, but, you know, I, I think when people are saying, oh, he was probably impaired, you know, oh, and people probably paid off the media to say he wasn't impaired. The police were right there on the press conference saying that, you know, mm-hmm. at this time, at uh, this point in time, you know, we can't say that he was impaired. But people like to speculate. And I just hope, like you said, he has two young children. And I just hope that he can kind of retreat, recover, and, you know, honestly, just do his best to just live out the rest, right? And just yeah. just enjoy just get, for once. Just get back. Yeah, just yeah, enjoy for just once. Just get back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully we do see him golf again. Okay, we're getting into our last segment. Before we announce our Jerk of the Week, I do have an honorable mention for Jerk of the Week. We'll call him, for the sake of it, the Prick of the Week. His name is Spencer Donald Jones. The Oklahoma University wide receiver that was made famous this week when a video surfaced of him in a bar with his buddy picking a fight with two significantly smaller men in the bathroom. And that fight didn't go oh so well for Mr. Spencer. So let me regale you if you haven't seen the video. And I highly recommend when you turn this podcast off that you go find it on Barstool Sports. So as far as the video is concerned, it's only about a minute long. Spencer and his buddy are in the bathroom. We don't know why they're arguing with these two gentlemen, but one of the smaller gentlemen already has a bloody nose for whatever reason. The details have yet to surface. So, But they're clearly antagonizing these two smaller guys because, yeah, they're fucking football tough guys, right? So you can see the smaller guy looking at his buddy, and I rewatched the video over and over. Why was he staring at his buddy the whole time? Because the bigger guys are saying over and over, yo, fucking look at me, look at me, why are you looking at him? And in hindsight, he's looking at his buddy because he's like, are you ready to fuck up these two fucking losers? Because one of them finally shoves the smaller gentleman... And he literally rubs the blood off his nose and tees off on Spencer Jones. Bang, bang, bang. Three punches. He hits the deck. He gets on him, feeds him with a few more shots. Turns out this kid is at least relatively trained in MMA. His other smaller buddy immediately grabs the other guy, slams his head into the wall. And they tuned up these two fucking losers. And I will say, um, normally I would say it's sad, but I think in this case... It's kind of par for the course. He ended up having to have a four-hour surgery to rebuild his left orbital socket. And the doctor said that he almost lost his eye from the beating that he took. <laughs> Good. Okay. So this just... But here, here's the two parts, right? Is that, number one, this is why you don't fucking pick on people. But number two, it's kind of sad because you know, based on the video, this is not the first time they're picking on smaller guys at a fucking bar. So how many times did it go the other way and they beat up two guys? That was completely unnecessary. But I'm glad he got his just dessert. I'm glad and I'm also sad that his family is trying to sue the, like, sue the bar and sue the kid that beat him up. And they're saying that he was trying to keep the peace. But the best part is, it's on fucking video. So be happy you didn't lose your eye. You're a fucking loser. You're the prick of the week. And by the looks of it, you can't fight. So if you want to find me, come. <laughs> um, but that that being said, Dan, why don't you lead us into who our real jerk of the week is? So the prick of the week was just, you know, just your average moron, right? Just uh, someone who uses their, their, like a bully, just a bully. Our jerk of the week is like a systemic person in a position of authority who has sullied that position of authority and has now resigned we are talking about former seattle mariners president kevin mather 
Uh, if you are not tuned into this story, just to break it down for you real quick, Mr. Mather appeared on a Zoom conference with the Rotary Club, uh, local Rotary Club in Seattle, which is, again, a group or a board of similar old white rich guys, uh, you know, discussing their ventures. Uh, Kevin Mather explicitly talked about sensitive contract details, uh, namely, uh, a contract that was offered to their top prospect, Jared Kellenick, that was turned down by Kellenick, uh, and how Hisashi Iwakuma, former Japanese Mariners pitcher, had an interpreter, and Mather was saying that he told Iwakuma, I'm tired of paying your interpreter, and how he quote-unquote, learned English pretty fast after that. So there's a little bit of a mix of sensitive contract details, pissing off your own employees and players, and xenophobia and racism mixed in. He also called Marco Gonzalez, one of their more consistent best pitchers over the years, a very boring pitcher, and mentioned that (laughs) he is going to do service time manipulation with both Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez, another top prospect for the Seattle Mariners organization. So, huh, I'm running out of breath. How do you fuck up so much with so little word, <laughs> with so few words? Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on that? What if you were an up-and-coming player, and now Jared Kalanick has since come out uh, with a piece. It was behind a paywall, I believe. I'm not sure if it was the Players' Tribune or The Athletic or one of those publications, but he came out and said that he has actually been now treated unfairly uh, by the Mariners organization right. since turning down that extension and of course the extension he hasn't he hasn't debuted in the majors yet so of course the extension was going to be team friendly right and so because he didn't accept a low ball offer compared to what he could get in a couple years he feels that the organization is holding that against him so let's focus on kevin mather here josh how does somebody fuck up on a scale of such epic proportions and so quickly I I actually think it's hilarious that he did this through like a video chat so it's like how do you think like that it was not going to surface. But let's start with first just the baseball side of things because I think if it was just the baseball side, it's very unlikely he would have been the jerk of the week, right? Like it's more just like, you know, bad leadership. Mm -hmm. I think that he has backed Seattle into an absolute corner because we've seen this in the past, right? A lot of baseball teams, what they do is they will hold back their top prospects so that they can control their contract for longer. We saw it with Chris Bryant and the Cubs, Mm -hmm. and he has gone on to sue his own employer because he believes that he was not fairly compensated for the work that he was done. And he, by comparison to other athletes at that time, should have already been in the big leagues making big league money. And I get it. They need to look out for themselves. So he backed the Seattle club into a corner by basically admitting that he's tampering with contracts, holding guys back that shouldn't be to withhold paying them properly. So I do hope that they get sued. I do hope that they have to pay these guys. And ultimately these guys are going to end up leaving. But again, bad leadership likely should have led to him getting fired, but jerk of the week status, maybe not. When you get into the xenophobic thing, because he had said a number of times, Julio Rodriguez does not have tremendous English speaking Mm -hmm. abilities. And like you said, he complained about paying for a Japanese interpreter for one of his players. How can you talk like that in such like a diverse multicultural league, especially a good portion is from South America that are speaking Spanish. Look at what the Toronto Blue Jays, the lengths that they have gone. They had had a bunch of young up and coming kids that prefer to speak in Spanish. So they ensured that their next 
manager was going to be somebody that could speak English and Spanish because that is the, you know, the nature of just number one, humanity, but number two, of being a good employer. You mm-hmm. want to put your players in the best situation to succeed. So you are going out of your way to make these guys uncomfortable, right? It's like, okay, you're going to save how much money on an interpreter, but now you have a player who is going to have a hard time communicating with other players on the team, with his coaching staff. It's going to hurt him as a ball player, mm-hmm. which then hurts your club. So it's a little bit of all this that just makes him kind of a not only a horrible CEO and leader, but a horrible person. And xenophobic was a great way to put it because when you really, when you really hear it, it's like he has, no, like I, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to say I'm not racist, but it's almost like it's a fear of just having to deal with other cultures and other people that have different needs. And, and I hate to see it, but I love to see that his uh, his ass stepped down and he's no longer employed, and and that he's obviously listening to this podcast now because he has so much free time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He can't fucking say something about paying seventy five thousand a year for an interpreter for one of his best pitchers at the time. Iwakuma was fantastic, right. uh, and. And right. then you got him making upwards of who knows, man, probably three hundred k plus, right? For and, sure. and, and what does he add to the team? Fucking jack shit. I wish we had more time to go into this, <laughs> but we will have to say good, e- good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Joshua. What a fun show that was, Teddy. That again, was fantastic. I want to give another shout out back to Teddy. Thanks for joining us for the first half of the episode. That was fantastic. At Teddles on in the Instagram, check him out. He's awesome, and uh, we'll be posting this tomorrow. So, Josh, any closing remarks? No, that was fantastic. Thank you again to Teddy. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing this hour and eight minutes or so with me. I have so much fun. Keep following us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, We love it. We're growing. Um, We're we're always looking for your feedback and to have more fun conversations because honestly, there's so many topics that we have to cut every week. Like we have like pages of things to talk about and I've had people reach out and they want us to talk about and it's like we, you know, but it's easier on a Tuesday when you message us and we can talk about it. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you. And we will see you next Friday. Awesome. Take care, everybody.